So I've, I've got a bonus question before we end because it's one of our favorite movies to watch. And uh, what was the inspiration for Peter Rottentail? Oh, man, I tell you what. Very good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and it, uh, it's funny. Um, so a little B-movie history. So um, I had... Uh, I had um, worked on a movie with a director named Ivan Rogers. I was an editor. Back then, I worked in television. I was a really good TV editor, video editor. And he had a film he had shot on 16, um, had uh, transferred it to video with open time code. And then I was editing the video for him, really just the action scenes, because they were having trouble cutting the film. Um, So I offered to cut all the action scenes for the movie. And um, on tape, and then they would, then the guy could match edge numbers on the tape to the film, back old school style. And um, so I never saw anybody alive until I went to the movie premiere because I did all the scenes where everybody got killed, so I never saw uh, anybody alive. But it turned out really pretty good. You can see this movie; it's called "Forgive Me, Father." Um, I have an editor credit on that. And at the end of that movie, Ivan wanted to settle up, and I said, um, "I don't think I'm going to get any more editing jobs. Why don't you help me shop some screenplays?" And he was good to his word, uh, so instead of money, he helped me shop some screenplays. I sold a screenplay. It was in Variety and Hollywood Reporter. The, this movie was going into production and never went into production, but I thought, I'm going to start leveraging this. This is back in the 90s, okay, so this is before the Internet. So I wrote, my goal was to write 100 letters to producers, directors, to tell them, I, if you look at this week's Variety and Hollywood Reporter, this is the 90s, right? So, like, Ray Don Chong was maybe going to be in it, right? This is the 90s. <laughs> uh, so I write this uh, letter to a... My goal was 100. Because remember, John Kennedy Toole, when he was trying to sell Confederacy of Dunces, he, his goal was to write 100 letters, and when he got the 100th letter, he was going to commit suicide, which he did do. I, that was not my plan, but I had this idea that I would write 100 letters like John Kennedy Toole did. And his book was published posthumously, and it became a huge success. Well, anyway, so I wrote 100 letters. Remember, I had something in Variety and Hollywood Reporter at the time. I only got one response. It was from a gentleman named Mark Cloney. Uh, that's the truth. And, um, and the only reason I even knew he existed is I had a student that worked for me at the time at Ball State University who was a huge Cloney Brothers fan. He showed me a bunch of his movies. I was like, I, I, this guy is pretty cool. So I wrote him just on a whim, and he wrote me back. He worked at Mansfield University. I worked at Ball State. He was a guy with a family about my age. You know, I have a family. Uh, we had kids about the same age, actually. And we hit it off. I wrote a Bigfoot movie for them called Among Us, which if you guys watch it or if you've ever seen it, it's really about them. They, um, all the, the characters are all named after their pseudonyms and everything. Um, so I know you guys have actually, um, I know you've impersonated the Bloody Brothers. I, I know Paul has a copy of yeah, Among Us. I, I actually really like that. I have it on a double feature with that and f- the first feeders. Oh, so Among Us. So I wrote that as awesome. a, as an homage to the Bloody Brothers, honestly. And uh, I don't think people see it that way. But that movie had real legs. Like it played on the Canadian Channel uh, Space for a long time. Um, it was around, it played around and around for a long time. I played at some film festivals back then in the early 2000s. And Bigfoot movies, stuff like that. But I really wrote it as a love letter, so to speak, to the point. 
And if you watch it in that regard, you'll you can see that because I named all the characters after their all all everything. I'm gonna have to rewatch um, that with that in mind. So that's yeah. a really unique oh, idea. Bob Dennis plays Billy D'Amato, which is the screenwriter for so many of their movies today. And John is Paul Allen Steele, which is his pseudonym, and or Ray Steele, I think, is his pseudonym. He plays Ray Steele in the movie and so on. But um, I really wrote it as an homage to their work, and um, I think they saw it that way. But a lot of people weren't in on the joke. It was supposed to be funny, and I don't think a lot of people saw it. I was actually the first person that ever wrote a movie for the Pony Brothers besides itself. Um, and then flash forward about 10 years, I was the first person that ever wrote a movie for Henry Kuto besides itself, besides itself also. But anyway, so while we were, while we, this tells you about the Go-Go 2000, because we were out there, I was in Pennsylvania, I went to the set of the movie, uh, the Bigfoot movie, and while we were out there, there was so much need, okay, so like, the reason the Pony Brothers ever became so big, they were there at the exact right time in the 80s when all these mom and pop video stores needed content, badly. And they were just there, they were positioned at the right time. And then here we were in the early 2000s, and that was starting again, right? The DVD market was taking off. And the, the content pipeline was wide open. People needed stuff, anything. So while we were shooting that movie, the distributor called and asked Mark if he could make three more movies right away. And Mark turned to me, I was there, and said, could you write three movies this year? And I was like, oh, God, three movies a year? Now, I just wrote three movies in six weeks for Mark about a summer ago. But back then, I thought three movies a year, I could never write three movies in one year. But I said yes, and um, they said, well, we'll help you because two of them will just be rewrites, and then one will be an original. I said, okay, I can do that. So the first one that comes to me in the mail is uh, a movie called Psycho Clown. And uh, it was handwritten by John and stapled together. It was written on a notepad, sent to me in the mail when I got back. And they wanted, they had a, a rabbit costume and they wanted to make a movie called Peter Rottail. So I took the script for Psycho Clown and really over a long weekend, it took me about three days, I typed it basically and rewrote it as Peter Rottail. So the, the core of it, all the kills and stuff belonged to Psycho Clown. But all the, and again, I tried to make it funny. Um, again, I don't think people got the joke um, that I was trying to be really, really funny. When I, and I wrote it kind of in a delirium, like I did it over like a long weekend, not really realizing how it was going to appear, how like raw and raunchy it was really going to appear, like I wasn't thinking. It was really the second thing I'd really done, so I wasn't really thinking that it was a pretty hard R. Um, the only thing I, I really changed that John and Mark wanted was at the end, Peter Rottentail, instead of the girl getting drunk and getting beer goggles and kind of what this is, okay, not a spoiler, the movie's 10 years, 15 years old, but instead of the girl drunk and kind of being interested in Peter Rottentail, which is what happens, like they wanted Peter to kind of force himself on her. I'm like, no, that isn't, that's not good. That, and we really can't have like a forced bestiality scene. I mean, I, I don't think going to play like warmly to the audience so i did play that off as, as more humorous that she gets drunk and thinks that peter rottentail looks good that's not the most unbelievable part of the movie but oh, I, thought, can, I, I thought she was just after any man that would come to bed 
Yeah, so it is a consensual scene. But that was, um, and it's funny because that movie has just hung around. People ask me about it all the time, and I'm not joking about that That's at all. Awesome. Especially at Easter, I'll get on Twitter and Facebook, and there's somebody watching it. There's somebody watching it and wanting to talk about it. And um, Fangoria um, did an hour-long podcast about it. And um, they were so mesmerized, they actually listened to the audio commentary track I did for it, which I was incredibly flattered. I mean, go back to the 80s when I was a kid, if I'd ever thought Fangoria would spend an hour talking about something I did, I mean, they, I don't care if they think it sucks, that Fangoria talked about something I did for an hour. That's astounding to me. Yeah, that's and awesome. I, was very I wrote to the guys. Uh, and they were very shocked because I think a lot of times, maybe you guys, have, I don't know if you experience this, but a lot of times when people do reviews, they kind of think, they don't realize that people are real people that work on these projects. Mark's a person. I'm, you know, I'm a real person. Um, they don't think about that when they put stuff out there. And so I wrote to them about what they had written. I think they were very, very shocked that I had found it and listened to it. And I, I was cool with everything. I think it kind of... Um, it shocked the guy pretty bad, I think. But, you know, then the, the website Nerdly, which is a big uh, British uh, pop culture site, they rated it one of the top ten worst horror movies of all time. <laughs> they did, which is also great because um, I've worked on a couple movies that, frankly, no one paid attention to and no one cared about. I'd rather be on a list of the worst movies of all time because people are interested in that. I'll say, obviously, they haven't they haven't seen nearly as many movies as we have there. Yeah, I was going to say. But, I mean, that was actually... And I and I wrote to the people at Nerdly, and they wrote back to me. Um, now, they, they pointed out they actually liked Jurassic Prey, so, okay, that's fine. They were like, oh, we, we actually like... Okay, that's good. I like Jurassic Prey, too. But it's funny because then... So, that, so I did a three-picture deal. The first one was Peter Rottentail. The second one I did a rewrite of a movie they had called Razor Teeth, and that is one that has disappeared from the earth. You know, so that's actually worse than people talking about, asking me about Peter Rottentail for 15 years. No one ever asked me about Razor Teeth, which is good because a lot of what I ended up writing didn't end up in the movie. They had a lot of production problems, so it didn't quite end up the way they'd hoped either, I don't think. But, I mean, there's not a review of Razor Teeth. No one's ever seen it. You don't hear anything about it. And then I think because of that, the third movie of the deal, which I, which was my original script, never got produced because that, that deal, that three-picture deal kind of petered out. And um, that's too bad because the third one was my favorite. It was an original script, and it's something I, for a long time, wished would have been done. It was called, uh, the title came from John Polonia. Uh, it was called Demons on a Dead End Street, and it was something I, I was really excited about and proud of. And, Tried for a few years afterwards to get made in various ways. I took the script back and tried to get it made in a couple of different ways. But, but yeah, that's the real and true story of Peter Rottentail, and it has never, 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 never gone away and probably never will. And, and that's awesome that it resonates with people. People enjoy it. Um, I actually gave a talk not that long ago and talked about it, and then someone came up and said that they had, they had purchased it off of eBay and, um, I get people ask me about it all the time, actually, so I'm not entirely surprised to hear about it. Yeah, it was awesome. it, it was a movie that was at a local, uh, like, used movie and CD store, and uh, I went in there a couple times over the course of, like, three or four months, and uh, eventually I was like, you know, if it's there next time, I'm going to buy it, and... Uh, when I think they, they lowered the price from like six to four dollars, I was like, Dude, I was like, man, I gotta pick this up now. That's a good price for that. I don't think I paid. I think I paid more than that to get a copy. To be honest, I think 
I think it has a lot of charm. Uh, the technology has changed tremendously, and I think that's the most evident part of it. I still like, I mean, I've always said, I'm always proud of everything that I've written. I think the script is very, very funny. Honestly, with my experience now, all these years later, I probably wouldn't have made it quite as raunchy as I did because I didn't really understand how it was going to turn out at the time. I think it is pretty funny, but it is not for all tastes. There's some pretty raw humor in it. But then, you know, years later, um, I did Jurassic Prey with Mark, and I'm very proud of that script. I think the script is really good. It's very funny. But I think people are just aren't in on the joke. They just don't think Jurassic Prey is funny. They can't get past cheap effects, which was John, was Mark's intention was to do a rubber monster movie, and that's what attracted me to it. I wanted to do a 50s-style monster movie, and it, that's what it is. It's uh, uh, It's got some noir elements to it that I, I'm really proud of the script, but it confounds me. People just don't like it, and uh, I think they can't get past how some of it looks. And I always tell people, just, just listen to the rhythms of it and look at it in that regard, and I mean, that's I'm, I am proud of that script, but people don't seem... And that's the same with Peter Rotto. I'm actually proud of the movie. People just don't get it. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think that's a lot of the films I've done with Mark and John over the years, and now Mark, is um, you know he, he takes everything with a grain of salt, and he wants them to be fun, and he wants people to enjoy them. And a lot of people just aren't in on the joke, and they don't understand that it's, you know, it's for fans, by fans. And, um, anyway... I got to say with the, I just got to say with Peter Rottentail, one of my favorite lines from any movies, like after the magician dies, they're talking about the annual desecration of his grave. That that had me laughing so much. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. I, I wish I could remember more about it. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I I remember I liked writing the um the part where the two stoners are talking to him that he's going to attack him with a parrot. I mean, I was I was proud of that. All the banter between Dave Fife and um, Bryce Kennedy, they were friends, you know, and had been in a lot of their movies at the time. And I think they have a lot of chemistry in it, the two leads. Um, and their banter, I think, comes off really well. So there's a lot of fun things uh, in it. And people just don't understand where we were trying to come from with it. But there's a lot of crazy things. I can't, I look at it now, I'm like, God, what was I even thinking when I did? Why was I putting this crazy stuff? That weird guy that shows up with the vial and it's got the tears of whatever in it and there's the book. I mean, just I don't know what I was even thinking. I think, I think I my like in a fever. I think my favorite kill of the movie though is still Witch's Piss. <laughs> Witch's Piss. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you got you got something for me to drink there? Yeah, Witch's Piss. Tastes great. <laughs> well, you guys have got a lot. You remember this better than I do. I guess I should watch it again. I have to ask just because um. We noticed that watching the film, there are a bunch of different um, co- things that are la- that have the converse label on it. Was that done intentionally or accidentally, or was there a reason the for that? Like, label? yeah, like on like a uh, converse, like the shoes. Like, I think um, I think the one guy's wearing a backpack or has a coat that has a converse. Yeah, on there's it. converse signs yeah, in his room. Yeah, there's one in the bar. Like, there's a bunch of it. We're like, I guarantee you, I don't. I was not there for Peter Rotten Tale, but I guarantee it's whatever was around that was, it wasn't like congress gave them money to, to be <laughs> we figured but it's like i wonder <laughs> if this is like a joke we're not getting what i'm guessing so would you like to uh plug all your stuff again for us real quick let people know where oh, they can uh, find you and see everything about you and your projects yeah, i'm at um 
yeah, we got on a long Peter Rotten. Okay, I guess I could have done a whole hour on that. <laughs> uh, so, um, John Oak Dalton blogspot.com is my website. Uh, I'm at John Oak Dalton on Twitter and Instagram. You can also friend me on Facebook at John Oak Dalton. So that's my brand. Uh, I have an e-newsletter called I Was Bigfoot Champ, which is uh, I named because I play the Bigfoot in a couple scenes in the Among Us movie. And it's a uh, e-newsletter that I do um, um, that comes out about once a month. It has behind the scenes. It's things that I don't put out publicly about the movies and behind the scenes pictures and stuff. So that's, that's the only thing that's not branded with my own name, but 